0: No Bibles, no churches, no Christians. Recently, I had the opportunity to travel with your pastor to Southeast Asia, and we were able to pray over a city. We walked through a city and then walked above the city and prayed over a city where there were no Bibles, no churches, and no Christians. That's the reality today of 3.14 billion people. To give you an idea how, because usually when uh, I share numbers like that, uh, people's eyes can glaze over what is 3.14 billion. If we were to reach people for Jesus Christ at this pace, one a second, and if there were 3.14 million people who had never heard of Jesus Christ, we could take care of that by July fourth. But there's 3.14 billion people who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And if we were to win them to Christ at the same pace, it would take over a hundred years to reach them. Hi, my name is Paul Davis. I am the president of ABWE. We're a mission sending agency that is blessed to be a partner with Chapel Point as you think about international sending. And one of the reasons why we love partnering with the church is because of the commands that Christ has given us. Those 3.14 billion people are not just going to happen to come to Jesus. Scriptures teach us that we are God's ambassador. God tells us that he is making his appeal to the nations through us, his disciples. We've been commanded to go, therefore, and make disciples of who, class? Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. All the world. All creation. Class, end this verse for me. Follow me and I will make you... How are we going to make an impact in the 3.14 billion? It will happen when the church of Jesus Christ, when obedient followers of Jesus Christ, at Chapel Point, when transformed followers of Jesus Christ take the initiative to go. If you don't remember anything that I said this morning, remember this. Transformed followers of Jesus Christ take the initiative. They go, therefore, into all the world. We're pleased as ABWE to be a part of what God is doing here at Chapel Point. And so if you're ready to take the initiative, we're ready to help you go where God is calling you to go. We would love to be a part of a short-term opportunity for you, a long-term opportunity. If you're a student looking for an internship, we can help you with internships all over the globe. We've got a thousand missionaries in 84 different countries. We can help Chapel Point have an impact, and we love the partnership that we have. The last thing I would tell you is we have an event called a 24-hour demo where you can come on a Friday night and a Saturday and learn all about opportunities all around the globe. We'd love to help you take the initiative to go. Pastor?
1: Yeah, and if, if you don't already know, when you travel together to Southeast Asia, you get to know each other really well. We already did. He's a dear friend of mine, and we're excited. Even in July, we're launching a multiplication center together in Southeast Asia. Um, And we already have a couple of residents. He just found out about that today. Um, And uh, because he has other things to do, he has an incredible staff helping to do all these things for him and with him. And we get to do it collectively together. It's one of our primary partners, our primary partner internationally, to make sure we're spreading the gospel. 3.14 billion people. And God loves them too. God cares for them. And so what does that mean for you? And you're going to be hearing more and more about what God, we believe, is calling us to do collectively together. Um, and just to be able to step into the kingdom of God, to, to let Christ be known to more and more people. So I want to say thank you for coming, thank for you. being a part of this. Um, and so let's just go, let's go ahead and pray for him right now. Would you lift a hand and let's pray for, the, uh, for ABWE and all that they're doing? God, thank you for Paul. I thank you that he's a dear brother of mine and a friend, but also primarily I thank you that he is a child of God, a son of the King who absolutely loves you, that he's leading with a biblical focus. He's leading with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and God give him a courage that is greater than he's ever known. Give him a peace in the midst of the chaos. Give him a strength even when he is tired. Give him a tenacity when he doesn't wanna travel anymore because he just wants to be home for a moment. Let him know that he has been been called to something so far beyond himself. Thank you that he is an example of somebody who has sacrificed his freedom in order to be a servant of the king. Bless him and encourage him. Thank you for the ministry there. Amen. 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 Thank Thank you, friend. That is a wonderful way to begin the message today because we are looking at a passage that is incredibly powerful and it's something that we must be reminded of. We're looking at a passage that is going to to look at us and say, wait a second, it's gonna force us to ask this question. What are you willing to surrender in order for Christ to be known? It's a great question for us to begin with today. What are you willing to surrender in order for others to know Jesus? What does that look like? Is there something in your life right now that you go, man, I'm willing to give this up in order for Christ to be known. That's hard for us today because we know that we live in a society in which we love to receive and not necessarily always give. Right. Anybody ever had a boss that calls you into the office and they sit you down and they give you a raise? Anybody? And that's a good day, isn't it? Anybody think that's a good day? It's a good day. Um, I enjoy doing that with and for people and it's wonderful to be able to do it. I've not heard of many people though who go, um, who look at their supervisor and say, can I meet with you? I'd like to give you some of my salary back. Now that sounds a little silly, but we love to receive and not necessarily always give. And yet the question that we're asked today is what are we willing to give up? What are we willing to surrender in order for Christ to be known? What is that for you? And this is going to be a primary aspect of what we're discussing with 1 Corinthians chapter 9 today. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're in a series called Restore. Everybody say Restore. 15 through 27. Those are the verses we're looking at. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 15 through 27. And um, I tell you, it's, a, it's an amazing passage for us to, uh, to, to look at today. If you don't know, I'm Joel. I'm one of the pastors here. And we're going to be able to dive into this pretty fast and pu- pretty furious because we're asking What can we do? What can we surrender in order for Christ to be known? Some of us, one of the reasons we struggle with that type of question is because we wanna know how much can we do and get away with it and still say we love God? How much can I live for self and still go Oh, but I love Jesus? you're going, is that real? Oh, I think it's real. I think it's very real. I, I think about what it is to have kids. Um, and have you, ever had, have you ever had a kid just push your, what, what do you call them? Push your buttons. Yeah. I, I, they just push your buttons. So you look at your kid and you say, hey, I need you to go and clean your, yeah, I need you to go clean your room. And so you go in there and at first you're like, wow, you did a good job. And then you open up the closet and everything falls out on you. Anybody? 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 Um, they, just, they, know, they, they do what they have to do sometimes in order to do what they can get away with. Well, sometimes we do the same thing when it comes to Christ and being a follower of Jesus Christ. We wanna know how much we can do to get away with it. And it's a horrible question to ask because really if you are someone who's encountered the power of the resurrection of Jesus, that's the gospel. That's all that matters It's the gospel. The question we should be asking in all things is what can I do to most glorify God? Not how much can I get away with and still be considered a good person. That's horrible thinking for a believer. Like That's not a like, oh, too bad. No, that is a horrible way to think as a believer. You're gonna learn why today. Because the question we're asking is not what can I get away with? The question is what can I do most to glorify God? What can I do most to what? Glorify. Yeah, Not how little do I have to do in order to be able to get away with it. To keep everybody in my life life happy and content. And we allow for that in the way that we live often. So this is what it tells us. And I'm going to break this passage up. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Once again, 15 through 27. I'm going to break it up 15 through 18. And then 19 through 23. And then 24 through 27. All right, so three different sections. Why don't we go ahead and stand for the reading of the word of God? Um, and you'll know when to call something out. How about that? But I have made no use of any of these rights. Now he's already been speaking about his rights and he's been surrendering. That was the message last week. He's been saying, I'm gonna surrender all of these different rights that I have. I'm gonna give them up. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather... Wow. There's one thing I never have thought about when it comes to the person of Paul, that he's a kidder. Right? There are some people who have a, the spiritual gift of exaggeration. You know what I'm talking about? My kids found a turtle yesterday in our Creek. And um, I'm like, how big is it? Oh, <laughs> well, it was like a Volkswagen. <laughs> I don't think he's an exaggerator. And yet here are his words. For I would rather what? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, today's all about knowing the power of Jesus Christ, what he's done for you, and now what is your response to that? How will you respond to the call of God? What will you surrender for that? He would rather die than not do that. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For what? That's such a good word. For what? Necessity. Necessity. It's like saying, "For, for I am required to do this very thing. It is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, for if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with the stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel you may be seated. This is the word of God. What are you willing to surrender for others to know Christ? What are you willing to surrender in order for others to know Christ? What are you willing to surrender for others to know Christ? Here he's jumping in and he's saying, I've already surrendered so many rights. I've given up so much because it's worth it in order For Christ to be known, right? And earlier in this passage, remember, this is Paul from Ephesus writing to the people of Corinth, which he visited for a year and a half, and he's writing to them, and they're so captivated by the world, and they're getting distracted and not living according to the ways of God. And so he's calling out to them, and he's writing to them, and he's letting them know, listen, simply because something is permissible doesn't mean it's beneficial. He has already said that in this letter. And now he's coming and saying, don't you know that you're willing to give up your freedoms if you love Christ? because you know that's greater because everything else is going to wither and fade away but not Christ. He says I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. Paul's boasting wasn't that he pre- that that wasn't that he was preaching. He had to preach because that was just simply in him. And like he knew that he was required. Like that's something that was so deep in him. He had to preach. I don't think he was the guy who woke him and said, I get to go. I've got to go preach. Or people got to hear. I think it was just so deep in him. He knew he had to, in fact, it wasn't that long ago. A few years ago, I, I looked at some friends. And I, was, I was really struggling. I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm done. I'm, I'm tired. I'm exhausted all the time. I'm done. And that was my posture. It that was three, four years ago. And I, I was like, I don't, I can't do more. I, I'm I'm tapped. And um, my friends, they're just being so compassionate and loving to me. They looked at me and said, shut up. And they walked away. <laughs> and I went, I said, well, what's with their response? I'm serious. I think I'm done. And um, they just said, no. Joel, if you quit what you're doing right now, it's going to take about two to three months for you to step back into some other place and start preaching again. And then I said, well, fine, you're right. And the way I look at it is you, you, you compensate me to run an organization, but no matter what you give me, I'm preaching the gospel. It is a necessity in my life because I recognize who I am without Christ and now I know who I am with Christ. And so he's calling it out. He's like, listen, I'd rather die than anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. And he's jumping in and then he continues on and he's letting them know, listen, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. It's not about even getting a reward. He's grateful right now in this passage, what we learn. He's grateful that he's not getting anything from them to preach. There was this thing going on where a lot of times pastors and preachers were going around and they were saying whatever they wanted to say, whatever the people wanted to hear in order to gain financially. We don't ever have that happening today, do we? And so they're saying and communicating whatever they need to communicate in order to gain financially. And it's not that he never gained from them. In the next book in 2 Corinthians, he references their help. Also in Philippi, he talks to the people of Philippi and says, thank you for your partnership. And they helped him financially, by the way. We know that. It's not that he's saying that you shouldn't help a brother, but he's saying, man, I don't want you to get distracted and think I'm doing this for anything. And he wasn't at the time doing it for anything. And he's saying, listen, I'm preaching the gospel because you need to hear the gospel. He wanted them to understand that he wasn't prospering anything financially from them in this moment. He's even letting them know, listen, he was, what was Paul for a living? He was what? A tent maker. So here he is as a tent maker, meaning he was bivocational and he's coming and he's, you gotta remember, Greeks looked down, and I told you this about a month ago, Greeks looked down on manual labor. Well, guess what tent making is? Yeah, it's hard work, manual labor. I think today we look down on manual labor. I'm like, come on, guys. We need to start working with our hands again. And here he is working with his hands, and even though the Greeks look down on him, he's like, he doesn't care. He's providing for himself in order to do what is a necessity laid on his heart, which is to do what? Preach the. So he's living this out. Do you know, big question, do you know the necessity that is laid on your heart? I think if you're a believer in Jesus, you have to answer that question. It is not simply for those who are pastors or for ministers to step in and go, I know the necessity laid on my heart. And then the thousands and thousands and thousands, millions of other people who claim Christ don't have to answer that question. No, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to ask yourself, what is the necessity laid on your heart? And are you living to it, right? Paul was driven by the call that God had put on his heart. He was driven by it. And it forced, forces this question is, what are you called to do then? What are you called to do? What are you called to do? What are you called to do? That's the question that you have to answer. Paul knew what he was called to do, and he was called to surrender his rights in order to submit to God. Yes, he had rights. Remember, just simply because something's permissible doesn't mean it's beneficial. He's willing to surrender those rights. He was willing, check this out. He was free. He speaks about freedom and slavery a lot. These are themes for Paul. He was free to become a slave. And not only was he free to become a slave, he was proud to become a slave because that was such a key theme of that day and age. It would resound within the hearts and the minds of every ear that would absorb it, that would hear and take it in. So he's trying to present the gospel free of charge. He doesn't need anything for it because he knows it's a necessity. He had a right, he could have asked for something, but he didn't exercise that right because he didn't want anything to get in the way of them hearing the truth of who Jesus was and is. So as he's walking through this even more, um, we jump into 19 through 23. We are free, but have made ourselves servants is one way to think about this. We are free, but have made ourselves servants. That's that, that mentality of, we always think in the church today, we always think about freedom in Christ, right? We have freedom in Christ. It's awesome. It's glorious. I love it. It's fantastic. But Paul makes the point that because you have freedom in Christ, he's surrendering that freedom in order to become a slave. He's referenced before that he is now, he's, he's introduced himself previously as a slave of Christ. I mean, Put that on your business card. Joel, slave of Christ. Well, what can what this is what we're going to get. In today's world, you'll get, well, then what kind of God will make you want to be a slave? No, it's because you recognize the power of God, what He's done in the giving of His Son Jesus Christ, that everything here is temporary and everything there is eternal. Why would you not want to submit and you give yourself freely to that which is so glorious? And he says this in 19 through 23. I think you all need greater exercise today. Let's stand for the reading of the word of God again. We're gonna do it a lot just because I heard somebody groan. (laughs) (laughs) Am I that guy? And I'm proud of that. Here's what it says. It's underlined. So that means I want you to read it. Ready, set, go. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them and its blessings. You may be seated. I want you to listen to just 19 again. It says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. The new, living translation, the NLT says, even though I am a free man with no master, he recognized that he had freedom by himself. He says, even though I'm a free man with no master, I become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. He's using his freedom in order to become a slave. Wow. reminds me of Proverbs 11.30. If you're taking notes, you can scribble that one down. Proverbs 11.30 says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise. So he's like, I'll do anything I can to win souls for Christ. Wait, you think I'm going to hold on to something that is I'm, that I'm, permissible for me? You think I'm gonna hold on to something that I'm able to do? when if I give that up, other people may come to know Jesus? I'm going to give that stuff up in a heartbeat. Do you know how selfish it is for the believer in Jesus Christ to say, I'm not going to give a preference up in order to reach more people with the gospel? 3.14 billion people have never heard the gospel. That should bother us. Yes or no? Yes. Should bother us. Paul was free to do what he wanted, but bringing people to Jesus was more important than using his freedom differently. And this freedom and slavery, I already told you, those are key themes, key, key ideas for Paul. He's speaking about, hey, listen, I'm a, I have now become a slave, a servant to all. It reminds me of the Virgin Mary, right? Right? When she, not having a baby, the angel comes and says, I want you to have a baby. And it refers to her numerous times as being a bond servant. She's like, I don't get it. Whatever you want, though. I belong to you. And so he's carrying out this duty, this responsibility of preaching the gospel because he knows he has to. When you have a call of God on your life and we are all receiving a call of some kind, every one of us, it is so deep in, in you, you have to do it. It is required of you, right before, what did he say? We, we spoke about the necessity of it. What is the necessity that you have in your life that you need to live to? Friends, Jesus is not here to give you eternal life only for you to live the life the way you choose to live it in this world in this, at this time. And then to say, yeah, but I know Jesus. He is here to overwhelm your life and so that you will live fully in the, today and tomorrow and next week to live for the glory of God. you are required to ask yourself if you are being obedient to that call. You will be held responsible, I believe, biblically to God for whether or not you even tried to discover that call and then live accordingly. And so he's like, to the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. We, um, Acts chapter 21, another passage for you, 23 through 26, Paul participated in, uh, in purification ceremonies, um, which he knew well, they were not needed. They weren't necessary for his own self or his own life, but he's helping to just simply bridge uh, a ministry to the Jews. In, in Acts 16, Paul had Timothy circumcised in order to reach Jews. Now, if I'm Timothy... <laughs> I'm just gonna keep going. (laughs) But Paul was seeking to win people to Christ by identifying with them. Friends, people don't change first and then experience Christ. They encounter Christ and then change. See, it's one of the struggles I believe that the church has had today is that we want everybody who's already like us to come to church. Here's my mentality straight up. I want everybody to come to church and then encounter the living God. Some of us can't handle that. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you were born or who you were born to. There is a creator. His name is God and he cares for you. And it does not say, this does not mean that Paul went around changing his doctrine in order to meet the needs of everybody around him. That's not what this says. It simply means that he would change sometimes his behavior, which he had freedom to live in certain ways in order to appeal and to help other people encounter the living God. That's what that means. And he was willing to offend people over the gospel, but he only wanted to offend people over the gospel. And so he calls out, listen, I'm doing everything I can. To the weak, I become weak, that I might win the weak. And I become all things to all people, that by all means, I might save some, right? He's already called out previously that to the Jew, I'm becoming, in order to win Jews, I'm becoming a Jew. I'm doing everything I can. That was his posture as he's moving forward. And then he does the following, verse 24 through 27. 27. And it's gonna be a reminder that, that our aim is to run toward the gospel, to surrender our rights at all cost. And so let's read the word of God together once again. So you don't cramp up, let's stand up. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So that you may obtain it. Run, right? Every athlete in all things, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we unimperishable. But I my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Disqualified. This is the word of God, you may be seated. I run. You had listen, you had the ancient Olympic games and then you had the Isthmian games. The games that were happening there in Corinth was second largest games that they had. Sports mattered a lot, just like today. Do they matter today? Yes. Athletes get paid an insane amount of money. An insane amount of money. Why? Because we elevate sports. Right? It's not just in the United States. Football players, and when I say football, I mean soccer players and other parts of the world make far more than our baseball players can make. It's insane what they're making. I don't mind one bit as long as they all tithe, amen? Just saying that, help out, help a brother out. So at least I found 18, I found another place that said 19. Times Paul uses sports, running, things like that to make a point because the people then identified with it. So here's another time in which he's calling this out and he's telling them, run the race. Like if, listen, if when the gun goes off, I have $2 there in track and field. Um, and they, fortunately, they just, they just quit because, you know, it was too cold forever. And then when it hit 70, they're like, it's too hot. Um, and so the gun goes off and everybody starts Can you imagine if the gun goes off and half the people that are there at the line just go, nope, not running. Well, when you started, when you began to identify with Jesus Christ, the gun went off for you to then run the race marked out for you. When you not, not, oh, I'm going to spend 45 years trying to figure out what it is. No, when you identified with Christ and gave authority to Jesus Christ, a gun went off and you have to ask yourself this, are you now running the race that has been marked out for you? You don't run around aimlessly. One of the struggles that we have today in the world, especially in the American church, is that we're running around aimlessly. We're running, he refers to this very thing. So I do not run aimlessly word for word, word of God. And we're just trying to grasp at this and then we grasp at this and we grasp at this. Friends, we have a call of God on our life as believers in Jesus. And it's certainly to help 3.14 billion people hear the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But instead what we do is we just keep doing our own life. And whenever we can fill in any type of void with Jesus, we feel good about it. Rather than saying, no, my life is Jesus. And if something fits into that, then I'll say Yes. I'm not okay doing church the same blasted way that we have been doing for generations, knowing that the result simply puts an emphasis on self rather than emphasizing Jesus Christ, Lord, Savior, Messiah, Redeemer. Amen. Period. And so you go, man, I've got something deep in me. It's a call of God. It is a conviction that I have, and I'm going to live accordingly to that. It is a necessity laid upon my life. What's the necessity laid upon your life? And if you think, again, it's just for the guy who's on the stage, or if you think it's for the people who work full-time for the church, you are wrong, my friends. It is for every single person who is identifying with Jesus Christ. Kids, if there's any kid, if you're a kid with your parent in the room, I'm inviting you today to go home and look at your mom and your dad and say, hey, what's the necessity later in our life that we have to give our life to? And when they say, well, it's Jesus, we're just going to live the way we want to live though. And then we'll then hopefully, you know, we'll go to church, say, well, isn't it, aren't we called to more than that? And when they get upset with you, tell them to write me a letter. I'll set up an appointment with them and then I will open the word of God. That my friends is called thinning the herd because we're not responding to the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ friends. He says, I have a necessity laid on my life, a call and a conviction. I have to do it. He was free to become a slave, and he knew that being a slave to Christ was greater than having his own freedom in this world and in this life. Wow. you got to exercise self-control, man, all things. you got to run to obtain the pride. And you better exercise some self-control because everything you do says something about you. My kids may hear that every day. Everything you do says something about you. What you eat says something about you. Controlling what you eat says something about you. How you spend, what you do right when you wake up says something about you. Are you getting the phone out to look at what your friends are posting first or are you opening the word of God? Whatever matters most to you is the answer, by the way. A paycheck will never determine my priority of Jesus Christ. So he's like, listen, listen, if you... You got to make sure you're getting ready. In fact, one of the things that I was blown away by is they said, in order to run these games, remember, it's second largest only to those in Athens. And so in order to participate in the, game, the games, they, you would have to show and prove that you've been training for at least 10 months so that you are, an ap, uh, you are actually prepared to run in the games. You had to prove that you've been training and getting ready for it. You had to you had to exercise that type of self control and that type of discipline, friends. In 13 days, you ever heard of a tough mutter? It's a 15k, 9.3 mile run. I'm doing that. It's in 13 days. I started training yesterday. True story. I ran two miles, and they. I love helicopters. They took me straight to the hospital, and <laughs> no, I was good. And uh, you know, I just recognize that my girls, who I told you run track and field, are. Um, I'm going to choose to let, me win, uh, let them win. Let's just say that. Um, I literally started training yesterday. They're like, no, no, no. That's disrespectful to everybody else running. You're, you're to show discipline and control and you are to make sure that you are showing the others that you're ready and prepared to run the race that's marked out for you. Are you disciplined and living out the call of God in your life? And you know what they did it for? I told you, you know, athletes today, they make a lot of money, don't they? I mean, it's really kind of staggering to me. You know what the reward was? A wreath. That's what it speaks about there. A wreath that was perishable. Sometimes it would be out of the olive branches. Other times it would be out of this pine needle um, that they would have in the area. And so they would take a wreath and they'd give you a wreath that's gonna, you're gonna put it on your mantle. They didn't have mantles probably, but they're gonna put it somewhere in their home and in three weeks you're gonna be, oh, check out what I want. It's gonna be dead. They weren't running the race in order to get some amazing temporary prize. They were running the race because it was a call of God. So here's Paul and he's refusing some things in order to give himself to godly things. Friends, a disciple refuses some things in order to give himself to godly things. He's saying, man guys, you gotta, you gotta stop running aimlessly. Don't. This all says I don't box as one beating in the air. You want to all demonstrate that together? Right? Just what? What are you doing? You're not hitting anything. You're not hitting anything. What are you hitting? What? What are you running toward? reality is I do believe the majority of people are aimless, even in their faith. I'm like, oh, I I declared Jesus, but they live for self. You can't declare Christ and live for self. It doesn't work that way. If you declare Jesus, you surrender to Jesus. And in your freedom, you choose to be a slave. The greatest honor in my life is not that I'm married. The greatest honor in my life is not that I have four awesome kids. The greatest honor in my life is that I am a slave of Jesus Christ. That I don't have to walk through this life aimlessly. What am I gonna do next? What are they, what are they gonna think about me? My friends, I don't care what you think about me. That's the reality. Of course, I have this advantage for most of you. It's called Age. I don't really care anymore. I know that I have eternal life through the saving power of Jesus Christ, that I can't earn it. I can't do anything for it. And so now I am joyfully in my freedom, giving my life to Christ to be his slave, to be his servant, to preach the gospel, to live for him and to lead my family to do the same. So when my kids come to me and say, dad, I think that I'm being called to wherever and we're gonna go through ABWE or whatever it is, I'm gonna be like, yes, you are. And I'm going to help you. Stop beating the air. Start throwing, just throwing, just grabbing, searching for something. Some of you need to discover the call on your life. Some of you are called to to the ministry. we got people who'd love to have that conversation with you. Some of you are called to go overseas. We'd love to have that conversation with you. Some of you are called to do some radical things, even being bivocational and saying it's time to do things different. If you're choosing to live aimlessly, to beat the air around you, you're choosing to tell the world that you're okay with what it's become. Respond to the call of God. So Lord, I come before you and I ask that you would That courage beyond courage, God, that you would give it to the friends here in this place to know what is necessity for them, to know what is the call on them, that they have the joy of surrendering their freedom to be a slave, a servant of Christ. And so encourage them. Strengthen them. Do not let us run aimlessly, God. Amen.